morning, church family. My name is Brent, and I'm one of the pastors here at Wheaton Bible Church. If you're new here, or if you've been coming for a while and want to get connected, our First Steps Adult Community Group is a great way for you to get plugged in over the summer. This community group will meet on Sundays from June 12th through July 31st from 9 to 10 a.m. We'll spend time getting to know each other, discussing topics such as discipleship, the centrality of the gospel, and helping you learn more about the church. You can find out more and sign up at wheatonbible.org slash next steps. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, but haven't been baptized, we invite you to do that right here on Sunday, June 26th. This is always a special Sunday. So register online at wheatonbible.org slash baptism. More information will be sent to you about that Sunday and about our June 13th baptism class. The start of summer is always an exciting season for our kids. And for those kids entering kindergarten through eighth grade in the fall, next week is Move Up Sunday. They will move up to their new classrooms for the 2022-2023 ministry year. This is also a great time to prayerfully consider if you would like to serve with our kids in Student Life Ministries. We're always in need of men, women, and students who have a heart to see kids love Jesus, dig into the Word, and have fun on Sundays. If you'd like to step up and serve, reach out to any one of our kids and student life leaders or our Family Life Director, Ginny Stair. Finally, there are other great opportunities to serve both inside of our church family and in our neighborhoods as a gospel witness. For example, if you're looking for a super fun and relational way to share the gospel with kids in your neighborhood, consider hosting one of our neighborhood Bible clubs. Or consider helping our Puente Summer Program, which helps students succeed in school, learn important life skills, and have a lot of fun. Spanish language skills aren't necessary. Within our church family, you can also use your gifts in the area of audio and video production, with our usher team in many other areas. The body of Christ is made up of many parts, each vital in gospel ministry. And for every gift, there's a place to serve. So check out wheatonbible.org slash volunteer. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for starting your week in worship with us. Have an amazing week. Good morning and welcome to church this morning, whether you're here in the room or you are worshiping with us online. Let's stand and do a responsive reading from God's word together as we start our worship this morning. Let your mouth tell of God's righteous acts, of his deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past your knowledge. Who is, Who is like, like you, you, O Lord? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen.
may be seated. Praise the Lord. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day where the church throughout history has celebrated the 50 days after Easter, where the Spirit of God was permanently given to each and every believer. For me, it's hard to remember that that was the case before, that not everyone had access to the Spirit. So today we especially celebrate that we do have that access. The next few songs we'll sing, we get to invite the Spirit to comfort, to advocate, and to sanctify us. So we invite you to stay seated through this next section and let the Spirit do its work in our body. Let's sing together. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill 
Well, this morning we want to continue in worship as we enter into communion. In Jesus' final night with his disciples, he shared uh, an intimate meal with them. And near the end, he gave them a, a new symbol to remind them of what it is that he was about to do. Being the Savior was not safe. Jesus would offer up his life in sacrifice, taking our place as those guilty, taking our punishment upon himself, and offering us his record of righteousness. So on that night, as Jesus was gathered with the circle of his disciples, uh, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, uh, this bread is my body, which will be broken for you. Now, as we, as we enter into communion, let me uh, just add this note uh, that if you have come to the place in your life where you are a follower of Jesus, you have said yes to him, I want to be a part of your family. Uh, we want to invite you to partake in the elements of communion. If you're here with us today and you're still in the come and see phase, we are delighted and honored to have you with us but we would ask you not to participate in communion until uh, you are ready to take that step of, of commitment, of surrender to Christ. So I'd like for us to take just a moment to reflect before we take the elements and in our hearts and in prayer to prepare ourselves uh, for this moment. Lord Jesus, you invite us to your table. This is not the table of 
our church as an organization or of a denomination, uh, but this is a spiritual table where you invite us to come and receive your forgiveness and healing to be part of your family. Lord, as we take the bread, we're reminded that your body was broken for us, and we give thanks. May eat the bread. Lord, on the same night, you told your disciples, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for many for the forgiveness of their sins. And he invited all of his disciples to drink of it. And we take the cup. Would you join me in prayer? Thank you. Lord Jesus, when you were criticized for being a friend of sinners, you replied, well, it's not the healthy, but the sick who need a doctor. I haven't come to call the supposed righteous but sinners to a new life. Lord, thank you for coming to us to bring forgiveness, to offer healing to us who are broken. Lord, we continue to see the brokenness in our nation, in our world. with wars and conflicts, with shooting, with discrimination, with greed. Lord, would you lead us in becoming whole? Lord, we thank you for your presence with us through the Holy Spirit and that you in your goodness, do not change. Continue to help us and heal us, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. You can find this passage on page 20 of your Matthew journal, or you can follow along on the screens behind me. This is God's word. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will teach you to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is God's word. That scripture is so special to me because I love the part where it says, uh, for those of you living in, in darkness, a light has come. So we felt like we wanted to sing this song that quotes that scripture. Now, after hearing it, we feel like that's a special way to celebrate that truth specifically. So let's sing together. The sign shall be given, a virgin will conceive, a human baby bearing undiminished deity. The glory of the nations, a light for all to see, and hope for all who will embrace his warm reality.
heart of him who did not spare his son but gave him for us all on earth there is no power there is no depth or height ever separate us from the love we have in Christ Good morning, church family. It's good to be together with you and to welcome all of you who are participating in our service online. I'm Bill Oberlin, one of the pastors here at Wheaton Bible, and I want to begin with a photo. Last Sunday, we recognized our Asian American members, and Thursday, uh, we were heartened by guests from a church in Korea who had come to pray for us as a congregation. As we pray for the church around the world, it's a lift to know that the church around the world is praying for us. Church, you are prayed for by believers in Asia. May you live up to your calling in Christ Jesus. As we continue this morning in our study in the gospel of uh, Matthew, uh, just want to remind you that we've read so far in our series of Jesus' birth, his baptism, last week his temptation in the wilderness, and now we continue in Matthew 4 as we witness the beginnings of Jesus' public ministry. As I reflected on the passage for today, I'm, I'm struck by three things. The courage of Jesus, the call of Jesus, and the compassion of Jesus. And I've been given my assignment as a preacher this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit to comfort the afflicted, 
and to afflict the comfortable. All right, well, let's jump into it. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. As he began his public ministry, Jesus was all too aware of unpredictable and lethal Jewish kings. When Jesus was born, Herod the Great ordered a slaughter of infant boys in Bethlehem in an attempt to eliminate any rival king. Joseph and Mary fled with their child to neighboring Egypt to escape. Do you, like me, forget that as a toddler, Jesus was a refugee? Within months of Jesus' baptism, at about age 30, his cousin John the Baptist was imprisoned by Herod Antipas, who ruled the regions surrounding the Jordan River following the death of his father, Herod the Great. But John the Baptist's integrity and rising influence threatened the younger Herod's reputation and rule. We read in Luke 3... John had publicly rebuked Herod because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the other evil things that Herod had done. Herod added this to his list of evil. He locked John up in prison. Herodias, the stolen wife, continued to nurse a grudge that eventually resulted in John's beheading at a banquet. It occurs to me that if we think the Bible is boring, perhaps we need to read more of it. Lost intrigue, murder, love, forgiveness, restored relationships, it seems Netflix doesn't compete. The ancient historian Josephus tells us that Herod imprisoned John at his fortress in Machaerus in the south near the Dead Sea. Jesus, understanding his mission and the things which needed to happen before he would face the cross, distanced himself by traveling the hundred miles north to Galilee on the opposite end of the Jordan River. We read in Matthew of Jesus' time there. Leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what had been spoken earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Now, Matthew references a a verse in, in what we know as Isaiah chapter 9, a warm and familiar passage we most often hear at Christmas. But to really grasp its radiance and joy, we have to understand the context in which the announcement was delivered. In Isaiah 8, the preceding chapter, the prophet Isaiah recorded over 700 years before the birth of Christ these words. Because this people, meaning the people of Israel, have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, 
the place for the people to come and meet with their God. Because they've rejected that, behold, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates, the king of Assyria in all his arrogance. He will sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it and reaching up to the neck. We see in a map uh, of the Assyrian invasion that in this 30-year war, armies from the Babylonian city of Asher in present-day Iraq conquered Damascus and Syria, the northern tribes of Israel and Samaria, and all of Judea with the exception of the capital city of Jerusalem. Israel suffered devastation and deprivation under Assyria. But cheer up, it got worse. A century later, Jerusalem itself would fall to Babylon with many of the people taken as exiles to the capital in Babylon. Israel would be dominated subsequently by Persia, then Greece, then Rome until Jesus' day. The outcome of the invasion and exile and occupations, here's the condition. Distressed and hungry, the people will roam through the land. They will become enraged and looking upward, curse their king and their God. Then they will look down towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Isaiah had foretold the approaching disaster, but Isaiah 9 anticipates a stark reversal. Nevertheless, even so, even though the situation is hopeless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the ancient tribes. But in the future, the Lord will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. For the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. And we see in, in the images in this map uh, the ancient tribal areas of Zebulun, Naphtali. Uh, next to it, uh, in Jesus' day, uh, the region of Galilee surrounding the lake. Well, how is this gloom lifted? What's the source of this inbreaking of light? Well, don't you know? Haven't you heard? For to us a son is born, a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But it absolutely would not be safe to be the Savior. 
We see Jesus' prudence in distancing himself from Herod alongside his courage as he picks up the refrain that had been uh, heralded by the now-imprisoned John. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, has come near. Maybe you've noticed that calling people to repent doesn't always elicit a warm response. Mark 1.15 notes Jesus' message as, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. God in his, in his grace is breaking into our dysfunction and unholy history, shining light in our darkness. His authority offering to restore and straighten, to move and make things right. He is bowing to bring heaven within our reach. To repent means to have a change of heart and mind to turn and go in a different direction. Repentance is the only logical response to this transformational offer of kindness by our Creator. We balk, convinced we're okay to continue as is, we can make it on our own, we delude ourselves that we make better rulers of our lives than God could be. We argue that our destiny couldn't possibly be utter darkness. But John and Jesus urge us to return, to respond, to embrace the truth and walk in light. Because the most magnanimous gift does you no good if you refuse it. or simply leave it unopened. Jesus taught his followers to pray for the kingdom of heaven coming near. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be honored, held holy, revered. You who dwell in beauty and perfection, in a different, higher, lasting realm. May your kingdom come. May your reign and rule break in and be realized in our mundane human lives. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, may you reduce the discrepancy between what you desire in heaven and what we do on earth. Lord, redirect our broken human paths. Christ's assignment would require unparalleled courage. And following Christ will require courage on your part as well. Authentic Christianity is not for sissies. I've never heard a sermon on it, but it is in the Bible, Revelation 21.8 tells us, the cowardly cannot enter the kingdom of heaven.
Well, we've thought about the courage of Jesus. We want to read about the call of Jesus. In the passage we heard this morning, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, uh, uh, Peter and Andrew. He says to them, come, follow me. At once they leave their nets and follow him. Going on from there, he sees two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John. They're in a boat with their father, preparing their nets. Jesus calls them as well, and immediately they left their boat and father and followed him. Without further context, the episode seems pretty sudden and hard to figure. I mean, did, did Jesus stroll by a couple of strangers at their work and say, hey, we're not acquainted, but drop everything and come and follow me? And they were crazy enough to do it? That doesn't make sense. My wife Kelly and I uh, have loved watching the NBC series, This Is Us. Any of you watch that? It's about... Um, Jack and, and Rebecca Pearson and their uh, children, uh, Randall, Kevin, and Kate. And actually, uh, they are kind of like us because we're a family that includes uh, adoption and people with different skin tones and definitely different personalities. But the show is woven together uh, with glimpses into both the past and future that add depth or explanation to other events. And in fact, Jesus' connection with Andrew and Peter at the, at the beach was not a first connection. In the Gospel of John, we read the backstory of an earlier encounter. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the two disciples of John heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Well, Come and you'll see, Jesus replied. And those two disciples of John the Baptist spent the day with Jesus. Andrew, who happens to be Peter's brother, was one of those two. The first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother, uh, Simon Peter, and tell him, I think we've found the Messiah. And Andrew brought Peter to meet Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip then went and found Nathanael and told him, we've found, the Moses, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one whom the prophets foretold. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, Nathanael asked, can anything good come from there? Well, come and see, said Philip. And it strikes me as I read this passage that the kingdom of God often advances 
among friends over bridges of trust. From the prophet John to his follower Andrew to Andrew's brother Peter to their homies from Bethsaida. You know, it reminds me of the connection our church has with some young believers in a North African country. Uh, it's predominantly Muslim. We've had this connection for seven years and, and a small group of about 15 disciples over the last seven years has grown to over a thousand many of them first-time followers of Jesus and their families because they bravely gossip the gospel among their friends in Luke's gospel we find the calling of the disciples by the lake in further detail One day as Jesus was standing by Lake Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. He got into one of the boats, which happened to belong to Simon, or Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat in a natural amphitheater. When he'd finished his teaching, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep water and let's let down the nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and what we've caught is zero. This is not a good day for fishing. I get it, you're the rabbi, but I'm the fisherman. But I love Peter's conclusion on the matter. But because you say so, Jesus, I will. Is that true of your life? Because you say so, Jesus, I will. Peter had seen and heard enough of Jesus so far to trust that even if it runs counter to my thinking and inclinations, I'm going to defer to Jesus' discernment and request. The story continues. Uh, When they launched out into the lake and put their nets overboard, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they were both on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees knees, and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were, hmm, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's business partners. It hit Peter like a ton of bricks, or maybe a ton of tilapia. Jesus is of a holy 
and holy different nature. In awe and fear, Peter calls Jesus kurios, which means master or Lord. And he confesses, I don't belong in the same boat with you. You ever feel like that? That you kind of have no business in the same boat with Jesus. Jesus answered, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching people. So what else could they do? What is the only reasonable response? So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. We see in these episodes two invitations. Come and see and follow me. So if you don't know much about this Jesus, if you're conflicted on what to make of him, the king invites you, come and see. Intentionally explore. In April, I was with an Afghan friend of mine, and he said, you know, uh, I'm working at this new place. I've just been here a few months in the States, and I'm confused. People keep telling me, happy Easter. What is Easter? And I explained it to him, and, and I offered him a New Testament, and, and he said, no thanks. But a couple weeks later, he said, you know, I think I'd like a copy of that book you were telling me about so I can read for myself. Come and see. Make a decision to move from ignorance to knowing, knowing to considering what you might do about what you will find. And if you find sufficient evidence, if you see that Jesus really is other, will you follow him? If in your move from, from ignorance to learning, you're persuaded that he is the one the prophets wrote about, the Lamb of God who carries away our sins, God Almighty come to us wrapped in humanity, as my Arabic friends would say, Amir Salam, the Prince of Peace. If the Holy Spirit whispers to you that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the way, the truth, and the life, will you, to quote Carrie Underwood, ask Jesus to take the wheel? Now, I'm not sure exactly how his call might come to you, but it makes sense to me that the God who gave you unique fi fingerprints and irises different from every other human being on the planet is capable of communicating with you in a way that you personally can understand and respond to. Jesus doesn't call us to blind faith, but to 
put our faith in someone who knows and sees far beyond our blindness. Jesus says to you, come and see, follow me. What is your response? Well, thirdly, as I think about this passage, I think about the compassion of Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing every disease and sickness, and news spread about him all over Syria. People brought to him those who uh, had various diseases, suffering severe pain, demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, the region across the Jordan followed him. Jesus' impact was not simply within the confines of what we know as Israel. It touched the surrounding nations of of Lebanon and Syria and Jordan. And we all need to hear the voice of God to us. Jesus came to communicate uh, in word and deed to us in our suffering. The miracles of Jesus were not for show, but to meet the deepest immediate needs of desperate fellow humans by his intervention and mercy. We understand as well that Jesus' invitation uh, that's his call to you can also become his invitation through you. If you matter to God, then so does every human being around you. You know, you've never locked eyes with a person who is a low priority for the good shepherd. The kingdom of God often advances through friends over bridges of trust Will you be that friend? Will you build the bridges? Will you dare to say his name? Jesus, by his compassion, uh, taught his disciples to participate in the kingdom of heaven coming near. It's unthinkable that those who've been called by Jesus and are genuinely following him would fail to be infected by his compassion for others, would neglect to let others in on the secret that God has come near us in Christ, that they would be indifferent to offer help and healing when they have the capacity to do it. I want to tell you just briefly about a couple members of our church who on their own dime in April traveled to Ukraine. Lisa is from Ukraine. Her husband Osama is Egyptian. You might also guess from his name that following Jesus wasn't the faith he was born into. But in April, they spent 10 days in Ukraine to assist Lisa's brother, who is a pastor. 
they carried with them all kinds of supplies and, and needed items. They met with fellow believers uh, uh, packing and, and sorting those supplies. And then they went about to areas hardest hit, delivering food, milk, medicines, baby supplies, and Bibles to people in the Ukraine. At times, they helped evacuate people from dangerous areas. In their brief time there, they visited the sick. In their moments there, they steered aside to meet and pray with survivors in Bucha. How come? Because they're just doing what they would naturally do as followers of Jesus. I want to let you hear the story of another couple from Wheaton Bible Church and let them share a bit about their journey in following Christ and serving others as ambassadors of the King. Um, let's hear a bit from Mike and Peggy Lowe, missionaries of our church. Mike and Peggy, thank you so much for taking a few minutes today just to sit down and talk. For our friends listening in, uh, introduce yourselves. We've been second career missionaries with Wheaton Bible Church since 2007. We served for about seven and a half years over in Greece with Hellenic Ministries, and then in Panama for four years, um, with Reach Global. I was born and raised in Wheaton, Illinois. So we left when I was 48 and Mike was 50. Um, Mike had seen other parts of the world, but during that time I was home with the kids. So um, yeah, it was huge. It was interesting to go from um, just feeling so secure in your own um, culture to a total different culture. So I've probably been going on mission trips short term for probably 20, 25 years before we got into missions. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming home all the time saying, Peggy, I think maybe God's calling us into full-time ministry. And I had always thought I was pretty confident and could get around, but not knowing the language or the money or directions was super challenging. You know, one thing I always tell people is that, you know, like the last 14, 15 years that we've been involved in missions, it's probably been the most rewarding part of our life. The Lord has allowed us to be part of what he's doing. Just a couple of ordinary people. We don't have exactly. any great skills, mm -hmm. but yeah. um, it's fun how God's been able to use what he's given us. Sometimes we look at other people and we think, yeah, here are some people who need some help and their lives need to be changed. Part of the reality is the Lord looks at us and says, yeah, that's true of you, Bill. There are some things I want to change in you. I think that's one of the greatest things about being a missionary is how God changes us. Yeah. You know, you go and you think at the start that you're going to save the world. Yeah. And um, sometimes I think us missionaries are the most broken people and we are the most, it, the people that God wants to fix mm -hmm. the most. So it's such a privilege. He works and changes our heart. And I just see how this 
all fits together so well in how he's gifted you, he's given you experience, you have skills and spiritual gifts to serve in this role uh, with Reach Global in uh, crisis care team. Talk about what this ministry is, um, what's the concept of this, this ministry, and tell us about your first assignment. Well, our first assignment is actually in Paradise, California. Uh, we're going out to an area that was um, hit really hard with fire. It engulfed the whole town, and um, I think 85 people died in this fire. Mm. It's kind of unheard of that you know a fire like that would kill that many people, but it really came onto the town really quickly. And so it's not only these people have lost everything, but they've also lost friends, they've lost relatives, they've lost their mates or even their children. Crisis Response was born after Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And um, the team just went and ministered there and saw a real mission field that mm -hmm. arrives in the wake of every crisis. People mm -hmm. are wondering, they've lost everything, it's yeah. just like, where is God? How is this possible? Why? And it just leaves a place for a mission field. This is a long-term thing in cooperation with the local church, but yet you can really use and benefit from short-term teams. Yep. Oh, yeah. A lot of our process is through the short-term teams because really uh, people get excited when people from outside of their community come in and help them mm -hmm. rebuild their houses or mm -hmm. their lives or just even willing to listen to mm -hmm. them, you know? And so we're hoping that, you know, we can get some GO teams that mm -hmm. will come out and assist us in, um, it's actually just the tools, you know, it's a tool. It's another tool yeah. in order to reach a person's life and, and be able to make a difference, you know. I'll simply close with this slide. Mike and Peggy asked, and you as a church answered. And yesterday, 11 members of our church flew to Paradise, California. They'll be serving with Mike and Peggy this coming week in rebuilding and listening to people's stories and speaking the name of Jesus in a place called Paradise. Let's pray. Lord, as we have come and heard this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us, to transform us, and to help us to truly follow you, Lord Jesus. Amen. As we close this series on our first part of the series on the book of Matthew, we wanted to share this song with you. It's been extremely meaningful to all of the members of our team. It talks about uh, the Chronicles, the, the journey of the Israelites waiting for God to send the Messiah that he had promised from Moses through the kings. 
through Israel's prophecy. And um, finally ending up as we have been talking about with the birth of Jesus in a very small town called Bethlehem. And as we've talked about today, bringing light into the darkness and bringing light as we just were talking about into the world. And so we celebrate that by seeing how God is always at work. And even if it takes longer than we think, he's always at work. So enjoy the sun. So long, Moses. Hello, promised land was a long, long road, but your people are home. So long, Moses. Hello, Joshua. Goodbye, Canaanites. We're coming to town. Twelve tribes and no crown. No crown, oh Lord. We want a king full of power, full of power, with a sword in his fist. Will there ever be, will there ever be a king like this? Hello, Saul, the first king of Israel. You were foolish and strong, so you didn't last long. Goodbye, Saul. Oh, but hail King David, shepherd from Bethlehem, in the temple of God in mighty Jerusalem. He was a king on a throne, full of power, with a sword in his fist. Has there ever been, has there ever been a king like this? Full of wisdom, full of strength, the hearts of the people are his. Hero Israel, was ever there a king like this? The kingdom is broken now, and the people of God, they've been scattered abroad. For how long, oh Lord? Oh, so speak Isaiah, a prophet of Judah. Can you tell of the one, this king who's going to come? Will he be a king? On a throne full of power, with a sword in his fist. Prophet, tell us, will there be another king like this? Full 
of wisdom, full of strength. The hearts of the people are His. Prophet, tell us, will there be another king like this? Isaiah said, He'll bear no beauty or glory. Rejected, despised, a man of such sorrow. We'll cover our eyes, we'll take up our sickness and carry our tears for his people he will be pierced he will crush for our evils our punishment feel and by his wounds we will be healed we will be healed from you O Bethlehem small among Judah a ruler will come ancient and strong from you O Bethlehem small among Judah a ruler will come ancient and strong from you O Bethlehem small among Judah a ruler will come ancient and strong from you O Bethlehem small among Judah a ruler will come Ancient and strong, ancient and strong. Amen. Well, this morning we want to conclude our service with a moment of commissioning. Uh, If we have any with us who are going to be a part of the uh, junior or senior high go teams this summer, I want to invite you to come and just stand on the steps here. Um, And uh, we're going to mention a couple of other ministries in a moment here. But these teams are going to be heading out soon, and we want to lift them up in prayer. Summer provides us with all kinds of opportunities to serve, connect, be more invitational, and love our neighbors and communities. This morning, I want to commission all of us that each and every connection the Lord places before us would be to His glory. Here with me are our representatives from our student GO teams. We have in total 84 students and 24 leaders across across these trips. Our junior high team will be going to Harvey, Illinois later in June. The high school team will be headed to Cleveland, Ohio in mid-July. Can we honor God together for these students and the steps of faith they are taking this summer? Way to go, team. Uh, We also have, as mentioned, uh, 11 adults serving this week in Paradise, California with the Lowe's. And I also want to recognize a few other special outreaches this morning. Um, If this refers to you, would you please stand where you are? Um, All of you who are leading or helping with neighborhood Bible clubs this summer. 
If that's on your agenda, would you stand where you are? Um, those of you involved in the Puente summer program, our enrollment is full. We have over a hundred students from our community who will be here on our West Chicago campus this summer. If you're a volunteer with the Puente summer program, uh, would you stand? Uh, and we, let me say we do have a few slots available if you can serve at least uh, one time a week or more in that program. Um, finally, anyone in our church family who's serving this summer uh, in our church ministries, welcome team, ushers, tech, children's ministries, other ministries on our uh, church campus, would you stand as well? You are all making uh, our church a place of welcome and helping us to grow as familia. I want to ask everyone now to to stand and let's join in a prayer of commissioning. In the Gospel of John, the risen Messiah tells his disciples, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Each of us in our families, friendships, neighborhoods, workplaces, in our community, Church, we are Christ's ambassadors to the world. As God places people and opportunities in front of each of us, uh, we are excited to see what he will do as we step into these weeks of summer. Father, we praise you this morning, and as a church family, we pray for one another. Thank you that believers from Korea traveled to pray for us as well. May you work through our student and adult GO teams, neighborhood Bible clubs, Puente program. Lord, as we meet for, for worship and teaching here in this place, we're reminded that you're the Lord of the harvest. You are faithful to your promise and you accomplish your good purposes. Lord, would you go before us and guide us as we step into summer? May the intention of our hearts, the thoughts of our minds, the words of our mouths, and the actions we take glorify you. Lord, shine through your sons and daughters and your church this summer. We come to you, the only true God and Savior, Lord, thank you, you have given us your Holy Spirit to guide and empower us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Um, church, one final announcement. Today is our uh, first and hopefully annual church picnic, uh, 3 to 7 p.m. Uh, on the uh, church lawn. Food will be served uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Bring lawn chairs, uh, blankets. We'll be on the west lawn. Uh, we will have tables and chairs for those uh, who may have lim limited mobility. Uh, let's close with benediction. May the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
equip you with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Wheaton Bible Church, guess what? You are sent. Thank you for being with us.